You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hey everybody, it's Robin here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. So happy to have you here and I am really, really excited to introduce a guest to you that you probably wouldn't normally find on my show. I have John Shawman with me today and he is a go-to crisis uh, management expert for A-list celebrities, corporate executives and athletes. He's also consulted with a number of television and film products. He's appeared on television news, including ABC's Nightline, CNN, Fox News, and has lectured at universities and colleges across the country. But that's not all. John is also an author and a father of four kiddos himself. And he's here to share with us some strategies for parents looking for a way to give their kids context about what's happening in the United States in terms of the election and politics, and also looking to see, look, if there's any kids that you may have kids that are interested in politics, how you can breed that and encourage that and that sort of thing. So welcome to my podcast, John. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. So good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you are so welcome. And, you know, um, everybody knows that listens that I am a Canadian. So, um, I, so, so clearly I don't vote in the U.S. election. However, the world is watching. We're all watching what's going on. And so, um, you know, I think this is really relevant and it's relevant for your own elections, no matter where you are in the world, right? To be able to talk to your kids about what's going on in a really healthy way, Right. It really is. I think uh, having grown up myself in a family that was political, we always talked about politics, it's not foreign to me. And, and I think that talking to your kids is so important and finding out what they're learning, asking them questions. What are yeah. you hearing about that? It's it, We assume often that they're just sort of taking in the information and, and, and who knows what they're going to do with it and what they're hearing from their friends. But we're in some really difficult times. Obviously, the world is facing a horrible pandemic. It's changed their lives. There's no way of, of sort of making that easy for them. So many kids are not in school. Uh, we're dealing with, it, certainly in the United States, uh, uh, a major recession, a lot of unemployment that could be impacting those parents and their families. Definitely. So there's a lot of really difficult things that do hinge a great deal on this election and what kind of future we want and what kind of a leader we want. And I think that that's really critical. So sometimes, depending on the age of the kid, I think that parents have to talk to them and and really sort of level with them and be honest and be transparent. That's appropriate. But let them know that these elections are really, really important and the future of our country depends on it. I think that begins to plant the seeds for civic responsibility. That is, you need to be involved. You need to learn. And ultimately, you need to vote. Yes, absolutely. And whether we like it or not, uh, and sometimes we want to reject the responsibility, but we have to model for our kids what we want them to see. So we've got to be the voice of reason in this, which I think also means we've got to also censor what we want to say to our kids. So we've got to keep it age appropriate and try to be as maybe neutral as possible if you can be or I don't know. I remember as a kid, (laughs) 
this is a crazy story. I always wanted to go to the children's festival in Vancouver, right? Which is where I'm from. And we'd, we'd always cross the bridge every year and I'd see these tents and it looks so exciting, whatever. But my dad would never let us go because it was run by and full of a bunch of socialists. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I grew up, and that's all I knew. That was all. That was all the uh, po- politic uh, politics that we had in my family. So I love that you are asking, what are they learning? What are they knowing? Because kids are talking about it, and my kids are even talking about it. And we're in a different country, right? So I can only imagine. That's right. They're talking about it, and they're worried, right? So, so they see worry on us. And they're worried for themselves. Why can't I go see my friends? What's going on with this world? Am I going to be safe? You know, when, it, when a kid feels that stress and that worry for their safety or their, their family, it's something you have to unpack for them. You have to work with them to talk about. I think that's critically important. So talking about politics and sort of taking the, the mystery out of it, this is we have leaders in our country. Uh, we have a president. We have a Congress. We have all sorts of checks and balances. So we don't have a king, and they need to recognize that not one person can just decide what happens for 300 million people. We have a whole bunch of really smart people that are that have been elected to think about the issues that really matter and try to make decisions that are in the best interest of everybody. And mm-hmm. when you sort of unpack that and speak to them in that way, it sort of makes sense. You know, there, we don't have a dictator. Um, some may want to act like a dictator, but they don't, we don't have a dictator. And so it's really important to let uh, a, a child know that their voice, they may not be able to vote, but their voice will matter. Mm-hmm. Talking to their friends, asking questions to their teachers. If they are passionate about an issue that really matters to them, maybe it's taking care of animals or maybe it's protecting our environment or our parks, whatever they care about. It's important for us to nurture and feed that passion because mm-hmm. then they understand they don't live in their little box of their own world or their own uh, house. They live in a broader world and they need to be connected to that world and mm-hmm. learn to be decent and loving and responsible to that world. I couldn't agree more. That's really well said. Uh, and so really what you're saying is take the mystery out of it. And just like, let's explain what the hierarchy looks like right? How those people got into power uh, and even what the di- difference is between a dictator and a, and a president and a leader, right? And, and what that means. So that's, that's, really, that's really great. I love that. And so is that where you would start? I would. And if I have really young kids, um, the one thing I think that's, that's sort of fun is they watch cartoons, they see animation in movies, is to show them a, a fairly simple political cartoon and try to get them to look at a political cartoon and, and, and decipher it because they're riddles. And it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. Yeah. It, what matters is that they get something out of it. They laugh. They think it's funny. And, uh, or they find that there's some point that helps to explain something in terms that they can understand. So with, with young kids, I like to look at sort of young, uh, simple political cartoons to say, we can simplify a lot of this. I'll tell you that one of the ways I learned a lot about government was um, this old show. I think it was uh, school of, or something about uh, learning about politics with rock and roll songs. And you learn, I forgot what it's called, but people have got to look it up. I learned the preamble to the constitution. I learned 
uh, why we vote and how to make a law. And it was really simplified and it was, it was made probably, gosh, I'm aging myself, but made probably in the seventies and they were (laughs) for sure. And, but it, it was so exciting for me to learn about it and see the animation and um, so those things are online and they're available to parents to start to really simplify it, but put it in an illustration or a form that the kids will relate to and understand. And obviously, as they get older, you can start to increase the level of sophistication of the things you talk about. You could look at the news, you could, you could read articles together, but I'd be super careful about your kids getting their information from social media because uh-huh. I really worry that they're, especially the tone that this particular campaign has taken, where there's such vitriol, such hate, that we lose all the essence and the greatness of what democracy is, which is people can disagree with each other. They can have good ideas and bad ideas, but there shouldn't be bad people and good people. That's that's a really important distinction, I, I, I would say that. And we say this to our kids all the time, right? That was bad behavior, but you're not a bad person. You're not a bad kid. Mm-hmm. If you didn't act very well there, well, that should be true also with the way we deal with adults, is they might have a good idea. They might have a really bad idea. They might make really bad mistakes. Doesn't necessarily mean they're evil and they're horrible people. Mm-hmm. And that's how things get boiled down to, unfortunately. And you see that a lot on social media. You'll see these sort of faceless uh, trolling and comments that where people are really angry and really hot in terms of their their uh, positions on issues, and they attack they attack the person rather than the issue and what's behind it. I think it'd be so great for parents today to say you may not agree with someone with what they say, uh, but you should be respectful of listening to it. You should mm-hmm. be open minded to it, and you but you should be prepared to do your own homework. And, and give your position, which might be very different, and all the details and the facts related to your position of why you might be right with mm-hmm. what, you, uh, what you believe. So there's a lot that I'm really concerned about with what's going on mm-hmm. today and the tone of these campaigns and the negative vitriolic uh, speech that I just don't want young people to be turned off of a life of politics mm-hmm. or being involved in politics, whether it's running for office or just simply voting. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and what I want to just highlight what you said is it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have a different opinion. But that doesn't mean that you're my enemy. It just means that we think in a different way. And, and can we not celebrate that in each other? And, uh, you know, uh, the other thing is, is that if if somebody disagrees with you, then why not listen? to them too. Like actually listen, not listen to prove your point, not listen to criticize them or pick something out that you want to judge, but like listen to understand instead of to respond. I think that's also a really good time to start listening to each other too, because there's a lot of people who are not listening right now. They're just fighting. Exactly. And I think our role as parents always is to, um, to, to instill values and to instill a sense of inquiry, of mm-hmm. wonder, that mm-hmm. there's so much I don't know as a parent. Mm-hmm. Let's look it up together. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. To, to just do that with your child is so important to, mm-hmm. to just be part of discovering something new. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have to have all the answers. I, I Gosh, how many times do we as parents get asked questions that's like, uh, I was <laughs> hoping you'd never ask me that. Um, let's... <laughs> And then turning it back to them and say, well, what do you think? 
What do you think the answer to that is? It's Mm -hmm. always great to get a reading on your child's knowledge because they may know more than you think. They may know a lot less than you think, but either way, it's good to turn it around and let them know their voice matters. Like I care about what you have to say and it matters to me. And you might even convince me of something and there couldn't be anything more powerful or empowering than that. Yes, absolutely. Anytime you can solicit ideas, you can, um, you know, solicit opinions from your kids and for you to listen to what they say, it makes them feel like they're important, that their words matter. And one of the, really what you're talking about here is curiosity. And I had, um, uh, Mike Alpert from the Curiosity Blueprint uh, on my on my show, and one of the things that he said is hate and uh, criticism don't exist when there's curiosity. So I think that's really poignant for at least this conversation when we talk about curiosity. Now I have a question for you: What happens, and what do you say when something is politicized? that isn't like uh, Black Lives Matter. It should not be a political statement in my opinion, nor should masks be a political statement. So what do you do then? I think you just try to simplify it. I really think you break it down to some very simple ideas and ideals. Uh, So starting with masks, uh, of course, if a doctor tells you to do something, And we have respect for our doctors. You go to them, you ask them to monitor you and tell you if you're okay and if you're not okay, what you need to do to become better. When we're sick, we go to doctors and the country is sick and we don't want to get sicker. We don't want more of our friends to get sick. And you explain to them, you know, a lot of the germs come out of our mouth and nose. And our doctors are telling us that we need to cover our faces right now until we learn that there's going to be a shot that we get to take that will keep us well. And it's that simple. Uh, I don't think that that's something, and yes, there are people out there who don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there who feel like wearing masks takes their freedom away. Mm -hmm. But the same reason why we we don't let people smoke when we're around in a small room uh, is to protect us, not just to give them their rights. So they have a right to smoke, but they need to do it away from other people that they might make sick. And it's the same thing with a mask. It really is. It's about keeping us all safe and doing our best. So we wear a mask to protect others as much as it is for our own protection. So that's the mask piece. Um, it's a really good answer. Thank you. It's a really with, good with, with Black Lives Matter, I think I, I, I remember reading something where it said, all lives cannot matter unless Black Lives Matter. All lives cannot matter unless black lives matter. And I think that's really important thing to say to your child is say, everyone matters. Every Mm -hmm. human being matters. And, but what's going on in our country right now is, is very unfortunate because black, black people in particular who were brought to our country 400 years ago as slaves. Mm -hmm. And that's a tricky subject, but it's something that has to be addressed. I think Um, maybe not to super young kids, but, Fairly, you know, whatever's appropriate. I'm not the, the expert in this, but they need to understand that um, Black people in our country have lived, started in our country as slaves. And mm-hmm. they've lived in a system that has been geared towards helping Black, uh, white people at the expense of Black people. Mm-hmm. And we need to make up for that. We need to do things that make sure that our Black neighbors um, or people of color generally 
are treated as well as white people have been treated for so many centuries. And that's something that, with the, I mean, white people have to recognize in our country that we've lived in a system. We may not have caused it. We may not have written the laws that separate, segregated blacks from whites, but we've benefited from it. Knowingly or unknowingly, we benefited from a system that put black people at the end of the line. And we have to do right by that. And so that's why it's really important. It's not a political issue. There are black people who are Democrats who are Republicans. There are white people who are Democrats and Republicans. It has nothing to do with partisanship. It has everything to do, do with how to treat our fellow human being equally and decently. Yeah, it's a human issue. It's not a political or or any other issue. It's about human. Yeah, That's again, right. beautiful answer. I, I I couldn't agree more. I did a, a whole podcast on white privilege, and and it was interesting because that re, even that that phrase alone, white privilege, uh, is is a, such a hot topic, um, and uh, and and I think it's just important to know what you don't know and to to learn, you know, what as as a as a white woman myself what I can do better and how I can, um, you know, how I can, how I can honor every life as well. Um, and so we try to do that in our family and teach our kids to do that too. Right. And, and, and again, we're the ones modeling this. So it is important that we don't just say it, but we do it and show our kids that we're doing it too. Right. And we, and we have to do, uh, we as parents have to make sure that our kids are going to schools that are taking, uh, initiative on diversity and equity and inclusion and justice and that they're they're really taking this seriously because we're we're with our kids for part of the day but then they go to school and what who are their classmates what do they look like are their teachers what do they look like what are they reading in their class about history are they getting all the information uh, do do black students feel like they belong in that class? Do they feel isolated? Do they feel invisible or hyper-visible? Those are things that schools have to start to grapple with and make changes so that every kid feels like they belong and they're treated fairly, they're treated equally, and their history is, um, is, is known to everyone because that way they're going out in society. They're our future leaders. If we really want to see a different world, a changed world, a world that accepts everyone. We have to start with our kids. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I think it agree. I think it, uh, it also has to do with how you parent them and, and all of that stuff, right? Like it is parenting really truly is the most important job we do, right? It really is. And obviously I want to stand on my soapbox and talk all about that, but I won't. Um, but it really is important because we're, we're really creating the next generation and, and, and there is a way for our kids to thrive and we, we've got this for them. You know, it is a complicated and confusing world out there, but when we communicate with our kids, we talk to our kids, we value their voice and their ideas and opinions, like I've already said, you know, that goes a long way to uh, creating these deep bonds that we want with our kids as well. Uh, so I think that's uh, all, I just, I love it all. So um, are you sure you're not a parenting expert? Because I think you sound like one. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I, I've read books and I listen, and but mostly it's experiential. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's learning and making mistakes and hopefully getting it right. Yeah, well, I think that's great. Um, I, and I love dads that are so tuned in. So I love that. So, um, okay, let me ask you about, um, okay, so we've got kids going to school and let's say one child is known to have, uh, in your circle of friends, one child has um, 
a Republican sign on their lawn, one has a Democrat sign on their lawn, and the kids start going at it, let's say. Uh, I know that this happens for sure. Kids, you know, are going to talk about things and maybe make fun of each other, uh, that sort of thing. So how do you how do you sort of square that away with your kids if they're getting uh, bullied or teased for who their family is supporting? Uh, I always try to treat kids the way I would treat adults when it comes to this. And that is uh, to find common ground. What can you agree on? What do you know about what it is to be a Republican? Uh, What do you know about what it is to be a Democrat? What are the principles that make you that thing? What does that sign mean in my yard? What's it saying? It's saying, I believe in, if you're a Republican, I believe in low taxes. I believe in not overspending for government. I might have social issues that matter to me, like whether it's uh, a a woman's right to choose or guns or um, gay marriage or issues like that, that matter to you. But it's first, it's trying to find out what is that saying about you that you really Mm -hmm. believe. And you may find out that you don't disagree with that person on the other side of the street as much as you might think. Mm -hmm. And I think that people... Listen, if, if I were going into an NRA, National Rifle Association meeting, I wouldn't pick a fight by talking about why we should have gun control, right? I might talk about why, um, you know, everyone should have a job, or we might talk about economics, uh, why our kids deserve the opportunity to have college loans to be able to go to school. They're probably going to agree with you on a lot of those issues. But try mm-hmm. to find a place where you know you can agree and stay there. Because there's no point in finding these really hot issues and just battling with somebody whose mind will never change. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think from my standpoint, if I'm talking to my kids, I'd say, listen, um, you've decided you want to be a Democrat. That's great. Mom and dad are Democrats. Uh, but let's learn about what that means. Mm-hmm. And let's learn about the issues that, you, that matter to you. Maybe it's climate change. Maybe that's your passion. And you want to try to get the world to stop driving, you know, gas guzzling, uh, you know, smoke inducing uh, uh, cars, producing cars. Um, that's great. That should be one of your passions that, that really matter to you. What is it that your friend across the street believes? Or what do you think they believe? And then ask them if that's the case. It doesn't have to be a rivalry like our school's mascot against your school's mascot. And it's just, yeah. you know a fight like a sports event. It just should be really, let's find some common ground. We're going to disagree on things and that's okay. Cause I disagree with my brother and sister. You disagree with people, uh, but you can still love each other. Yeah. Wow. That's, I love that answer too. You're just, uh, that's so good. Here, here's a tough question I have for you. I, I don't know if you're going to think it's tough or not. I know that it's tough. Um, because it does imply it, it doesn't, it, it has some, it, let me just ask it. Um, How do you explain a way when you see the leader of your country telling lies? So um, it's hard, of course. This has been one of the most difficult presidencies I've ever had to live through because we have a president who just says things that aren't true and everyone calls him out on it. And his, his support seems to grow even wilder uh, with with their support for him. So I, I think it comes down to this, your, your parenting being able to come in and say, I believe in telling the truth, even if the truth may hurt you um, or I- impact you in some way. 
the best honesty is the best policy. And um, the American people will recognize that uh, our leaders need to tell the truth. And we're hoping that they make a change for somebody that they think will do a better job on that. Uh, that said, we live in a world where we are being sold things every day. It doesn't matter what you do. You turn on your television, you're seeing a commercial. It might be selling car, it might be selling beer, it might be selling hamburger, whatever it is, it's selling you something. Mm -hmm. And all of that they're saying to you isn't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. uh, it may not be the whole truth at the very least. They may not be lying, but they're not telling you the whole truth. So when you decide to go buy a car, you need to do your homework. You need to go out and say, which car do I want? Which dealer is telling me the truth? Um, and, and make your best decision based on your own research. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's very difficult to deal with a leader who's not telling the truth. On the other hand, it opens our eyes to be able to say, not everyone tells the truth in our world. Mm -hmm. And we need to know the difference and we need to do our own research. We need to find legitimate, believable sources of information to help us decide for ourselves what's true and what's not true and be able to make decisions whether it's buying a car or voting for president yeah well and i think one of the hardest things is finding good and real credible sources of news so that's my next question where do you go for that well you know my my i see my kids all the time when they're doing homework they use wikipedia uh -huh. and, and i say now wait a second <laughs> yeah uh, it might be a quick, it might be the first thing that comes up in Google when you type a person's name in, and it might give you that quick answer you're looking for, like how old are they or where are they from? Uh, but Wikipedia is not the Bible. It is not the sort of the truth. Uh, it is what people input into it, and they usually source that information, and they're usually, usually correct, but they aren't always. So you need to make sure that uh, you're looking at sources of information that are unbiased. And how do you know what's unbiased? You mm -hmm. have to ask a basic question, which is, do they gain anything out of telling me one side over the other? Right. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there anything to their benefit to, to tell me that vote for this guy or don't vote for this guy? Uh, you need to kind of try to help your child work with them and say, what about this site? Well, there's this group called the League of Women Voters. And the League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan organization that often hosts debates between candidates. They don't take positions on one side or the other. So I, for example, would say, let's look at the League of Women Voters, and they might just provide facts. They're not going to say, based on these facts, vote for Joe or vote for Trump. They might just say, here are the facts. You decide for yourself. That's where you want to go. You really want to go to places where they can get the facts and make up their own mind based on those facts, what the truth is. So what are those sources? Gosh, you know, in my old days, and I major myself again, I'd have to go down to a library and open a card catalog and look through for a book and go up four flights of stairs and see that book is there and open it up and try to find the answer. Our kids are so lucky right now. Mm. Uh, they get to type in Google and or whatever, uh, you know, search engine, they decide. I don't want to take, take uh, sides on that. Yeah. But they get to go on their phone and use Google and just look something up or ask Siri. Um, I don't think Siri is going to give you the answers necessarily that are as viable. <laughs> um, so you can ask, but I would definitely verify that, uh, what Siri, Siri tells you. Uh, go to Google. 
go to newspaper, your local newspapers, um, look at a bunch of different sources, try to find people that you that you follow on TV, uh, mm-hmm. who seem to give you opinions that are based in facts and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to find anyone out there who's totally unbiased. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's part of our personality, our nature, but use a lot of different sources and that way you can kind of cover yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I like that League of Women Voters. I didn't know about them. That's, that's really great. And, uh, and, and incidentally, I do think we have a generation of kids that will have no idea what microfiche is and how to go into the library and look that up. That's just talking about dating ourselves. Uh, yes, I, think, yes, yes. I think we're the same age or at least close to that. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So, so all of that is, is really good. Um, and, and I think that you can also be real with kids and say, yeah, it's hard. It is hard to know what's best. And to the best of my knowledge, this is the person that aligns, or this is the party that aligns with our values as a family. And I think if you can speak about the values of your family as well, right. And, and why you are, why those matter to you as well, right? To, to your kids. I think it's important because that reiterates who you are as a family, what your values are. And one of the things I want to add about lying and that sort of thing is also that, um, you know, lies at the root of lies, uh, that, which we all, we all lie is self-preservation, right? And so I wonder, you know, what, what he's preserving himself from, right? You know, like not to look bad, not to look unintelligent, that sort of thing. So that's kind of a good lesson to teach kids too, right? this is this is at the root of most of it so um okay so I want to I want to ask you you know one of the things that we talked about too was like what if your kids are interested in politics like if they're really interested in this how would you cultivate uh, the the love of politics uh with your kids well I was uh I was very fortunate growing up where five kids in my family I was fourth of five and always a lot of political debate at the kitchen table. Um, and it was great because my parents were very involved and wanted to go walk precincts or hand out literature for their respective candidates that they liked. Yeah. And I remember one time I was 12 years old and they were host, having a, a vote in our uh, elementary school um, gym and they brought up, it was a presidential year and they, uh, news cameras were there and they were interviewing people and they interviewed some of the 12 year olds. And they, one question they asked me was, if you could be president of the United States, what would you do? And I remember some of my friends were saying things, ice cream for everyone and uh, take care of all the animals. Um, and I said, I would, I would make sure everyone had a job. And, uh, and I remember there were parents who would see me after that. And they said, I would vote for you for president. Um, and so I just felt so empowered by it that um, I just got very involved when I was a little kid at running to become class president, or um, I was a representative to our school board for our high school. And I got super involved because at the time, our high school was in a really bad shape budget-wise, and they were cutting teachers, and they wanted to cut our athletic programs. And it was a really bad time when I was in high school. And I stood up and I said to these adult school board members that we need to try to pass another referendum. They had failed to pass a property tax increase to help pay for our schools. And I said, I didn't know about it, nor did my classmates ever know about this. 
And I right. think it's really important since we're the ones who are going to be the victims of your cuts to be involved in the political campaign. So we right. gathered a petition and we put it on the ballot. And I went around with all my friends and we organized all the kids at the campuses. I mean, young kids, like six, seven, eight-year-olds to bring flyers home to their parents to tell them why it was important to vote for 58 cents a day or whatever it was going to cost them to help save our schools. And we won. And so here I was, I was 17 years old. And I was so happy with myself. I thought it was so great. But one teacher came over to me and she said, if I had lost, my mother was a teacher, my grandmother was a teacher. And if this didn't pass, if you didn't do what you did, I would have lost my job and I wouldn't have been a teacher. And she mm -hmm. hugged me and she had tears in her eyes. And I was 17 years old, Robin, and it made such a profound impact in my life wow. that it was something that I said I had to be part of in my life. Because it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't mm. matter where you're from, how much money you have. You can make a difference in our world. And even if it makes a difference for a handful of teachers, you've changed their world. And that matters. Yeah. So I would always say to parents, help sit with your kids and let them know to be involved. Even if it's just their, their school, um, a program at their school that they care about. By caring about something... And showing that it can, you, your work can make a difference for not just you, but for others around you is so incredibly empowering that you want those kind of kids out there in the world for our future. They are our future leaders. We don't want them to be passive. We want to hear their voice. We want them working for a better future. Mm -hmm. Well, and in fact, I think that giving kids problems to solve for adults uh, uh, are at least going to them for their thoughts and ideas, we can solve problems in ways that we never would have thought of. Um, and I mentioned uh, the Curiosity Blueprint with Mike Alpert before, and that's one of the things he said as a, as a former teacher and administrator, you know, he said, look, give it to the teenagers because they will blow your mind with the kind of innovation that they have. Because we don't know, they, they don't know all the ways it won't work like we do as the, you know, 70s children that we are. That's right, exactly right. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm just assuming that that's. <laughs> now, speaking of the 70s, let's go back a little further because I want to ask you about the the book that you wrote. And I know this is kind of going uh, off to the left hand side here, but there is a reason why we're talking about all of this together and how your book actually also um, has to do with this topic. So you've written your debut novel. So congratulations. That is so exciting called um, Return to Siberia. And it's already a huge hit. Uh, it's the top 100 on, US, on USA Today's bestseller list. And it's number eight on Publishers Weekly hardcover nonfiction list. So this is a pretty, a pretty popular book. So can you tell me what, uh, what led you to write this and what it's all about? So it, it's, it's really simple. I discovered a manuscript that was written 100 years ago by my grandfather, who I'd never met. And oh. I had it translated. And it was an unbelievable story. He was from Russia. He was in exile to Siberia. He was exiled to Siberia under the last czar, Tsar Nicholas II. And he was in Siberia for 10 years, uh, extracted from his family when he was 15 years old, who mm. all of his family ended up coming to America uh, while he was gone. And he obviously, you, it's hard to um, tell you how difficult the time that was, not just to be in Siberia, which was awful, but to mm. be away from your family as a 15-year-old 
going through your young adulthood in exile like that and um, getting out and finding his family in America, which was like a needle in a haystack. This is before iPhones and find your friend and all those yeah, kinds no of things. So yeah. you can imagine his travels across Europe before World War II, World War One, uh, getting on a ship, going through Ellis Island, looking in New York, and eventually finding his family in Chicago, and meeting some really amazing historical figures on his way, which was uh, um, extraordinary to find out as I'm reading this book. And I felt like it was really important to tell his story, not just the story, his story, but my story, finding his book and the impact it had on my life my wife, my children, all of our lives, that what we were learning about his triumph of the human spirit was helping us in our own battles we were all facing from my youngest kids all the way up to my young adult kids and the impact learning about their great-grandfather was having on their life. So it was, um, I guess someone compared it a little bit to Bridges of Madison County on some level where they okay. discovered letters and it flashback in time about the life that their their parent had had and there it, there is a similarity to that in that sense so at the end of the day this book is about family it's about storytelling mm. it's about learning about who you are uh i know a lot of us use some of the ancestry and dna testing 23 and me that to me that that's really cool and really interesting but it's just chemistry it's biochemistry yeah. um, it's not telling you who you are and you are, to a great extent, the stories of the people who came to this country, who, you know, worked very hard, who experienced tragedy and triumph, love and romance and adventure, and um, led to your arrival. And so it's, it says so much about your own life by reading about your own, your parents and grandparents. So it's an amazing uh, story, a riveting story that um, ends up in some pretty interesting places. So... I hope oh, I'm glad it connected with a lot of people on, and I hope folks have a chance to take a look at it. Well, I will, I'll put the link in the show notes cause I want people to, uh, to have a chance to read that too. And you're right. Like it's so, uh, people are so interested in their, in their ancestry and we, we have the kids too. We haven't done them yet, but we have the kids too. Um, and I can't wait to see, um, you know, where, where we're all from. Um, my mom is German and she left Germany, um, in the sixties to come to Canada. And, uh, and so there is a huge there. I mean, there's tons of stories about what happened to them and in Germany with the Russians and, and all this stuff. And so my mom had a really tough start, but, um, yeah, so I wish, I wish I could hear in the voice of my ancestors, like you have, uh, to hear their story in their voice because they they all triumphed through some pretty really difficult times at the turn of the century. And one of the things I always tell uh, parents is to encourage their kids to interview their grandparents mm. and encourage all your kids, what whoever you have that's still alive who lived through some pretty amazing times that we will never have the chance to experience in real life to interview them, to ask them if they have letters or memorabilia from those days or photographs. It's so fascinating for a young person to do that discovery um, while they have the opportunity. So I really always encourage uh, parents to talk to their kids, to interview them, to interview their parents if they're around, great grandparents if they're around. What yeah. was it like during World War II? What were you doing when Kennedy was assassinated? Where were you during the civil rights movement? How'd you feel about those issues? Mm -hmm. Did it change the way you 
uh, uh, your worldview. And those are amazing experiences that you can, you, you have a short window to grab. And I always encourage people to try to grab them because I was just fortunate. I didn't meet my grandfather. He died in the fifties and mm. were it not for finding a manuscript and having it translated. I wouldn't know any of this. Wow. What a cool experience that must've been. Wow. Well, I can't wait to read your book. I'm going to be reading it myself. That is just, I just love it. So I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you said. You come with so much wisdom and so much experience and literally every answer you've given um, has been incredible. So let me ask you two last questions just to sort of end off here. Um, One is, okay, as we get closer to election, things get dirtier and dirtier. I don't know how else to say it. Like we fight, the the candidates are fighting a little dirtier and throwing each other under the bus and in the mud and all all those things. What happens and how do you explain to your child when adult themes are brought up and, and I can't help but think of the access Hollywood tapes and that sort of thing. What do we, you know, how, how would you recommend we talk to our kids about those really big issues? Well, yeah, it's, it depends on the age of the kid. It depends on what you're trying to explain. Um, But listen, we, uh, the access Hollywood tapes where we had a presidential candidate talk about grabbing a woman's private parts. Um, We, what do we tell our kids when it comes to our private parts and protecting them and making sure that, uh, you know, they, they stay safe. Um, how do you, how do you feel about that? Oh, that's wrong, dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, would you think that that would be a good person to have as your president? No, we wouldn't want anyone like that. And, mm-hmm. but then explaining how that person got elected. Um, gosh, dad, what, what happened? The person <laughs> who did that or said he, that was a good thing, got elected, what happened? And you have to tell them that the reality is that some people don't want to believe what they want to believe. Um, Some people just, they don't, you know, if you, if, if, if there's someone out there that they just truly like and they want to get elected or on the other side, there's someone on the other side, they truly hate and they're willing to elect almost anybody to that job other than their other choice. Yeah. This is what we get. This is often what we get. And so we have to do a better job making sure that the candidates that we get to choose are both pretty good. We have to do the best we can to make sure that even the worst choice isn't going to be that bad for our country. (laughs) You know, we look back as I'm a Democrat, um, but we look back at some previous Republican administrations with some level of fondness to say, well, I may not have liked George W. Bush, but at least he was a decent human being. Mm-hmm. At least he was a nice person. Um, mm-hmm. I may have disagreed with a lot of his policies, but it didn't seem like he spent all of his time attacking his opponents personally or mm-hmm. lying. So these are really fundamental values that mm-hmm. we just yeah. say, our family really believes in telling the truth. Mm-hmm. We just really believe in protecting our own and keeping our hands our own bodies. And we really believe that that's the way it should be for everyone. Yeah. Um, not everyone's going to follow our rules and we have the right and to voice our opinion when people don't follow the rules. 
Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth because what I was going to say is it just reinforces what our values are. We just get to now talk about what our values are. And if somebody doesn't align with our values, then they're not our person. But you're so right about electing the right people to, to run the race to begin with, right? Because you don't want like to, I don't know, the lesser of two evils, right? That's the last place you want to be. So yeah, uh, that, that's, that's great. So last but not least is um, as we get closer and closer to the day of election, we may be at a position where, and we hope that we're not here, but where the votes have been cast, but we still don't know who the winner is. How do we explain that? <laughs> well, there's some real logistical issues yeah. that you can explain, which is because of the pandemic, because of COVID, so many people are going to vote by mail. Yeah. And where we're used to seeing people lined up on election day, punching their ballot or marking their ballot, so many more millions and millions of people are going to put it in the mailbox. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is those are going to come to their respective uh, uh, election official. Uh, mm -hmm. We call them registrars of voters, and they're going to have to count them. But before they count them, they have to make sure that the signatures match the person's voter registration to verify that they're the same people. So that's a, that's a lengthy process when you're talking about tens of millions of votes that have to be counted, um, essentially verified by hand and then counted by a machine. So that could take time. So unless an election of the people who showed up and the early votes that were counted by mail don't show a clear winner. Right. So in other words, let's say, for example, that in Michigan, uh, Joe Biden wins by a million votes. Well, the only way we know that that's going to be real is that all the votes have not yet been counted that came in by mail add up to less than a million. So if there, if he won by a million and there's only a hundred thousand votes to be counted, it's over, right? Okay. If there are 5 million votes to be counted, then both sides are going to compete all the way to the, every last vote gets counted, which could be a week or two weeks or longer before yeah. those votes get tallied. So that's a real logistical issue that yeah. uh, is going to cause some challenges based on just the way we're voting in the middle, unprecedented voting in the yeah. middle of the pandemic. Well, and I know that that does bring up other issues, right, about around voter fraud and mail-in and all that stuff, which is, you know, another issue. I, I don't know if you have, what do you say to that, to that issue? Well, voting by mail, uh, which we do in, I live, I'm Los Angeles in California, we've been voting by mail for decades, and there's never been ever wide case, widespread fraud. It just hasn't. Are yeah. there ballots here and there? Maybe, but it's never caused an election to turn. So it's a really safe way to vote. Um, and, and so all the talk about voter fraud and you can't believe mail-in ballots just isn't based on any fact. Uh, they're just as good as those that you get on election day. In some ways, it's better to vote early because you're not stuck with that 12-hour window where what if I can't get someone to watch my kids and I can't get out there and vote? Or I get out there and there's a line for five hours to vote. Mm -hmm. To have the opportunity to vote by mail and vote early gives you a much longer window uh, to be able to turn in your ballot so that it is counted. I know in California, we can follow our ballot. So you have a little code and you can go online, you can, decide, you can find out, did my ballot arrive? And if it says it arrived, I know it's going to get counted. So it's a pretty foolproof system. It doesn't mean there won't be a little bit of 
you know, shenanigans, but it won't make a difference in the race. Certainly won't invalidate a winner. Uh, so I'm, I'm real hopeful that we're going to get early answer to our biggest question of the, of the day, which is who's president of the United States. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I, and like I said, the world is watching. I will be watching too. So, uh, and, and I, and I send so much love and hope to, to the American people as well, because they're beautiful people. I have so many clients in the States and, you know, um, as, as your neighbor to the North, I mean, we, we love the, the States. We vacation there all the time. We visit all the time. So, uh, so yeah, I just hope the best for, for, you know, I hope the best for, for everybody. So. Well, we love our neighbors to the North. <laughs> we love our neighbors to the South. Most of us do. Um, yeah. We love yeah. our neighbors. But um, especially our, our Canadian friends, and we thank you so much for what you're doing. You're talking to a lot of Americans, I know, like to listen to you as well. So uh, I just tell everyone to get out and vote, whichever yeah. way you're going to do it, get out and vote and uh, have your voice heard. Yeah, perfect. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I hope everybody will vote. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks, Robin. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.